This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Power Hour, 9 o'clock on a Friday. Drew Carter's here to fill in for Pack, who is back on Monday morning on this fine program. It'll be show 640 on Monday, and Packer will be here. And he'll be spitting fire, Carter. I just want you to know there'll be fire in the opening segment on Monday. In English or Italian? Oh, he'll be saying something in Italian. Whether it's right or wrong will be debatable. Um, you know, and then he'll have a story. I'm, I'm trying to think of what Brooks and I have probably projected the stories to be. There'll be some story of, well, we know there's a story that's out there of uh, running into somebody who is from, I think, was it Greensboro or Raleigh? I can't remember, Brooks. Um, he ran into somebody who was from North Carolina in Italy. We do know that. We got lots of pictures for a guy who was off the grid. We have a lot, lot of memories that we're going to go through in the first segment. <clears throat> There's going to be some sort of shopping issue that cost him money. I'm pretty sure of that. Um. You know, Roddy Jones had a question yesterday. Roddy wants to hear about the boat he pulled into uh, Portofino on. You know, who was on that boat? Whose boat was it? What what was the situation there? Because Roddy said that didn't look very touristy on social media, to be honest with you. So, and you know, here's the thing. And Drew, we you know this because you met Mrs. P. Amy's this most genuine, wonderful person. I mean, the the charity she has taken on in marrying this man is like many of our wives in this world. Um, but, you know, here's Amy, and bless her heart, she goes and they take the daughters and they have this big trip, and we'll, there's going to be some, there'll be some sort of story related to all of that. So, Monday, early. And, you know, he'll come back and there'll be a lot of Italian, and he allegedly went shopping too, so we've got that to look forward to to hear about. Um, but coming up in this hour, Sam Hartman in about 15 minutes, Charlotte North, at 9.30, and we're looking forward to talking to her on the heels of another Tawartan Award uh, being given to Charlotte North yesterday. Two in a row, and she becomes the third BC player in the last four years to win it. Regionals in baseball start today on the NCAA side, and uh, here's a look at what we've got. One stat per game for you, and we'll start with the fourth overall seed and the best seed, the highest seed out of the ACC, and that is Virginia Tech who led the ACC with 66 home runs in conference play this year, and that is 12 more than any other team, Drew, in ACC play. Which is saying a whole lot, Wes, because as we saw in Charlotte, these are some teams that can swing the bat. There were a ton of home runs in that ACC tournament, I think almost 60 in the week in Charlotte, which was a new record for the league. For Virginia Tech to lap the field in home runs – That is incredibly impressive, and I think it's easy to forget something we said earlier in the show, which is they haven't played in the NCAA tournament since 2013. Here they are as a top-four seed, probably the biggest favorite out of the entire field to advance out of the regional into a super regional, which would also be in Blacksburg. So Virginia Tech, I mean, the pitching is good, led by Hackenberg, and the hitting is obviously incredible for John Sheff and company. Yeah, Miami and Canisius and Coral Gables. 
Miami most ranked wins of any team in the nation with 13 as they begin play today. Of course, Canisius is not ranked, but Gino Damari's got a fascinating team here. I There could be Miami. I can easily see Miami and Omaha, Drew. I'm with you, Wes. They're loaded. Uh, they're a well-rounded team, too. It's not just like, and there's our man Bayou Burke, who was just on the show earlier this week with an amazing <laughs> catch at the wall, and he lost the lid, and we saw that beautiful flowing hair, which made an appearance on Packer and Durham earlier this week. Uh, he's got the hair of a baseball player, I'll say that much. It looks like he's worn a hat for the first 20 years of his life or so. But Miami, I mean, you said it. Canisius not ranked, but we know they're going to run into some ranked teams. That Coral Gables Regional is loaded right. with names like Arizona and Ole Miss. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And by the way, there is a storm coming to Coral Gables. Confirmed that that's why they're playing this game at 10 a.m. today against the Golden mm. Griffins. Yeah, not only do you get your latest ACC information, you also get meteorological updates as well. So, uh, all right, next is uh, that's it exactly. (laughs) Uh, Wake Forest and UConn coming from College Park. Uh, Of course, Wake's tied for the highest non-league winning percentage. They're twenty-four and two. That's tied for the national best. Here's the thing about College Park: it's the site of one of college baseball's greatest achievements. 20-odd years ago when Marshall McDougal hit six home runs in one game. So anytime somebody goes to Venerable Shipley Field in College Park, Drew, I have to mention it's a site where Marshall McDougal hit six home runs. Now, the fact Maryland might have been throwing organized batting practice that day for Tom Bradley, their head coach, is another story altogether. But if six home runs have been hit in any ballpark, it automatically means that the ball could be flying out of there today for uh, the Deacons of uh, Tom Walter. That'll be a lot of fun. This is another super intriguing region. You got Maryland hosting, obviously, and then Wake Forest and UConn. Deeks, top 10 in RPI, number six. They can hit the baseball. And then UConn, who wins the Big East pretty much every year, it seems like. And I always love seeing, you know, Northeastern teams or anyone really from a cold climate getting a chance to play into June. That's always fun. So we'll see what UConn brings to College Park. Louisville and Southeast Missouri State. The Cards, of course, hosting the regional at Jim Patterson Stadium where they've won nearly 78% of their games. 29-6 and at home are the Cards. I mean, to me, this is another team from the ACC uh, favored by many in this particular bracket. I like Louisville. If they can find the stroke, they, they could get all the way to Omaha for sure. Yeah, they're 91 and 24 at Jim Patterson the last four years. Uh, go back to 2019 mm-hmm. when they made it to Omaha. They won their region at home. They won their super at home, and they moved on to the College World Series. This year, you don't want to look ahead, but they'd probably be on the road in a super, but you'd expect them to take care of business here because they're nearly unbeatable at home. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame gets Texas Tech today at uh, Statesboro on the campus of Georgia Southern where the Eagles are hosting. Uh, Link Jarrett's team, 47-20 and 20 on the road. So uh, with Texas Tech and also the uh, Southern Conference champion UNC Greensboro in that bracket with Georgia Southern, we'll be keeping an eye on uh, on the Irish here. Um, pretty good baseball no team. and yeah, it's a – 
We mentioned John Michael Bertrand probably getting the ball today against the Red Raiders, and I like. Uh, I'm interested to see what kind of numbers he can put up today too. Well, Wes, it's malarkey that they're not hosting a regional, but you see the stat on your screen right now. Over 70% winning percentage on the road under Link Jarrett. So Mm -hmm. maybe we're the only ones who are upset that Notre Dame's hosting. Maybe the Irish are actually excited (laughs) to go on the road and put some bug spray on and play in Statesboro. (laughs) That's it. There you go. Uh, Georgia (laughs) Tech is in Knoxville. They get Campbell today. Uh, That's part of the region that features the nation's number one seed in Tennessee. The Jackets' 34th appearance in the NCAA tournament, third straight since 19 for Danny Hall. Uh, You know, Georgia Tech is a familiar familiar participant in this event. Kevin Parada, by the way, has just been named D1 Baseball All-America team. Uh, He and Tommy White, the position players, and Max Wagner of Clemson, also on that first-team All-America selection by D1 Baseball. Uh, So you get Parada, Chandler Simpson, Andrew Jenkins, all these other guys in the mix here. Georgia Tech's going to have to score runs, uh, especially in this region. Today they'll have to score, and if they draw Tennessee, you know for a fact they will. Yeah, three College World Series trips under Coach Hall. Liked what he said and that in case you missed it from yesterday about everyone wants to put us against Tennessee, but Campbell's here for a reason. That's a good team. They've dominated their conference. they got a couple guys who will play in the bigs. So it's a fun region, you know, all the way one through four, including Alabama State. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, next, UCLA and Florida State. That's the Auburn Regional. Begins uh, right around noon Eastern time today. Florida State's 44th consecutive trip. Ties an NCAA record. You can see Parker Messick, the lefty there. I'm sure he'll be spinning today at noon on ESPN2 with Tom Hart and Kyle Peterson uh, from Plainsman Park. And I I start looking at Florida State, and I'm trying to draw the line here. If the pitching is enough for Mike Martin Jr.'s team to advance through this, Drew. Yeah, I mean, Messick, you start with him and pretty much anything is possible. It's unfortunate it's not like softball where the best pitcher can basically throw every game because if that were the case, FSU would be in a good spot. Uh, But this will be fun, man. I mean, watch this one on TV because Plainsman Park and Auburn, whether or not you agree that they should be hosting a regional, is one of the best venues to watch a baseball game in the country right on that Tiger Walk down on the Plains. So this should be fun to watch. Yep. Uh, Next is uh, Virginia and Coastal Carolina. The Cavaliers have uh, almost changed their playing personality. A few years ago, it was full pitching and defense. Three runs might be enough. Now, with the ball changing and the evolution of the game again at the college level, they're averaging just less than nine runs a game. Ninth highest scoring offense in the country. You know about Geloff. You know about Ortiz. And they got good pitching behind that, plus pretty slick fielding. Virginia and Coastal today – And uh, I'll be interested in this one, too, because East Carolina is the host in this particular bracket. And the Pirates have had a terrific year. But uh, this particular region looks really, really volatile, to be honest with you. Some of the gems of the East Coast in baseball. You got ECU hasn't lost in May. Virginia won it all a few years ago. Coastal Carolina, they did the same thing. You got a couple of champs doing battle on the first day of the NCAA tournament. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. Virginia West, with what you're talking about, how they've changed their playing style. 
Kind of sounds like Alabama football, right? I mean, they used to be defense first when Saban first got there, and now they average 45 points a game and have quarterbacks who win the Heisman. Kind of similar. Yeah, there you go. I like where you're headed there. North Carolina Hofstra wraps up our one stat per game. Tar Heels averaging eight runs a game and an ERA of about three and a half since May 6th. Drew, you said this a moment ago, and I agree with you. This is the hardest the hottest baseball team in the ACC, maybe one of the hottest teams in the country, and now they get to go home. Um, and I think playing at the Bosch is a terrific advantage for them. The Bosch is awesome. Uh, if you're, I, I talked to my buddy who lives in Charlotte the other day, Matthews, North Carolina, to be exact, and I said, what's a drive to Chapel Hill from Charlotte? Is that a couple hours or so? I was like, if you're not doing anything, I think it's worth it to get out to Bosch because that is a fun place to watch a game, just like I said about Auburn. And by the way, it's evident that I worked in Birmingham because that was a, an on-the-plains and an Alabama football reference in this 15-minute segment. <laughs> nice. CBS 42, proprietors <laughs> of the headshot, too, by the way. we got to make sure we get all that in. Uh when we come back, we'll go off to Winston-Salem. Sam Hartman, the quarterback of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, stops by. We'll catch up on uh, what early June is like in his world. And we will do a visit with old number 10 next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, Drew Carter's here. Uh, Charlotte North, arguably the greatest women's lacrosse player ever in college, is coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so. But first, Drew, let's take it to Winston-Salem. The quarterback of the Deacons is here, and I can sense that this will be Sam Hartman and Drew Carter make fun of the old guy segment uh, coming up here. Um, So what are you doing? It's June. Hartman, it's June the 3rd. It's 9.15 basically on a Friday morning. So this is the part where I always feel like people that follow ACC football would be fascinated to know. What has happened like today? Have you, you just said a moment ago during the break, you've worked out already, right? Yeah, we, uh, so we have, you know, our, our lifting groups. Uh, I, I prefer the morning ones. Uh, you know, growing up in a, a doctor family, medicine family, you're always up early. So uh, <laughs> I love getting up early in the morning. And, um, you know, we get a workout in. Uh, you know, after this, I'll probably head down, throw a little bit to some of the guys. Uh, watch some tape you know we got you know recruits and hosts uh coming in um you know coming through here so some guys are hosting recruits right we have camps you know i usually will work a camp here uh help coach r out a little bit but it's on the lower key of sides right now right we started kind of we call this the third quarter of the season um and we're uh you know well underway though everything's rolling smooth and um a fun time because it's a lot of player led uh, activities and a lot of times you're getting together with the, the guys and throwing um, more individually and it's a lot of you can kind of get to know mm-hmm. the team better and, and welcome in the freshmen that are coming in and um, this is probably one of my most favorite times of the year just because um, I can really become a leader and, and, and grow as a as a captain on this team and um, also it's summer it's warm it's nice to get outside <laughs> You've also got some appointment viewing, Sam. You've got to be in front of a television this afternoon when the Wake Forest baseball team begins its trek to Omaha. How are you feeling about the Deeks baseball team? It's been awesome. I got to catch one game. It's kind of hard sometimes, you know, the way that their schedules go. Um, I wish I could have made more. I'm definitely 
definitely excited though. We were hoping for uh, them to host, but obviously we didn't get that that look of that draw. But we're excited. Definitely be tuning in. Um, I know it's at one, so you know, beat up on uh, UConn and and keep it rolling from there. But they've been playing well. <laughs> it's very cool to see. You know, we love. That's the great thing about Wake Forest, right? Um, you know, every sport kind of is all intertwined and. Um, everybody knows everybody and at a school like this, you know, you're rooting for each other because, you know, our, both ACC, we won the ACC in golf, which is, you know, awesome. And those guys and, and girls, you know, had an incredible season. And again, the baseball team's been rolling and, you know, looking forward to them making a deep run in the playoffs and hopefully making to Omaha. Hey, Sam, let's go back here to the uh, I want to I want to dive back into these individual workouts, not just the lifting part, but the. Because I think the secret sauce in any really good football team can be, you know, just this throwing sessions you do or, you know, whether it turns into seven on seven or, you know, you get DBs and receivers out there. However, however, and every team does it a little differently. You know that. You talk to guys at other schools. So if like A.T. Perry, we know A.T. Perry can play. We know Keyshawn Williams can play. Uh, Roddy and I got to see Horatio Fields in the spring game. I was pretty excited about Horatio Fields, to be honest with you. Heard he might be pretty good. I thought he was really good. Um, then there's guys like Jamal Banks. We know Taylor Morin can play. Is that where you discover who's getting better, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, – I mean, everybody can look good. Uh, you know, running routes on air, you always kind of – that's always the big joke. You know, every freshman comes in, you're like, oh, wow, you know, he can really play. Um, but I think it's really just like the, the mindset and the mentality, right? Our whole theme this year is mindset, right? We went good to great last year, um, and we're focused on a mindset. And the mindset's got to be for Horatio Fields to Jamal Banks is, right, I'm preparing like I'm the one. Even if I'm not, right, I'm preparing like a one. And then for AT, you know, Donovan Green's coming back as well. Another guy that had a great, you know, 2020 season, got hurt, and now is getting ready to go back. Taylor Moran the same way. Um, you know, Keyshawn again, it's like all those guys, they've got to come out and, you know, AT's established, but he's got, you know, everyone has room to grow. Um, so I think that's where I look at, you know, everybody like, you know, I can look great, not miss a throw, but what's my mentality? What's my mindset when I'm out there? Am I coming out, you know, ready to, you know, every, every time locked in, making throws, making it challenging myself, put myself in a game like situation, or am I just going out there and throwing the ball? Um, so I, I think that that's probably the biggest factor of what I can kind of get from young guys or new guys or anyone who hasn't mm. really proven themselves um, but yeah it's it's definitely a great time for you know us to kind of build chemistry and, and really work Sam I love what you say about preparing like you're the one because I feel like AT did that last offseason right even though Ja'Cory Roberson was the one getting all the headlines AT Perry comes out and he's top three in the league and yards and touchdowns and all that stuff at's coming back this year uh but we saw andrea adelson who's hosted this show a couple times i saw her tweet that it was similar to a zay flower situation at boston college where at perry probably had plenty of offers to leave and go make more money in nil elsewhere uh why do you think he stuck around in winston-salem and what do you think that says about the the culture that you guys have built there that's, yeah, it's a crazy sentence to say, right? You would think you'd be talking about the draft, but you say NIL. Um, I mean, he loves it here. I mean, he's, you know, it's, I think the great thing about Wake Forest and what you'll see here is, you know, A.T. Perry was a freshman here. He was a sophomore here. He was a junior here. He was a senior here. And, you know, there on and there on. And 
what I mean by that is guys are built here and they, you know, they almost owe it to Wake Forest to give back for maybe another year or two more years. Or like Jay Vionte Nash, it's seven years. Um, mm. you've, you've, you, when you invest in something and you put in as much time as a lot of the guys here put into and you do it the right way, um, it, you almost feel obligated. And it's in a good obligation. It's like giving back to charity if you have a lot of money, right? It's like that same feeling. And it's not like Wake Forest is a charity. I don't want that to sound like that at all. It's a it's a great opportunity for one AT to develop and get better, but you know he's you know you're he's a can go down in history as one of the best receivers at a you know D one program in a Power Five conference. Like I feel like that's got to be a draw, right? It, you know you have Coach Higgins as your um, head, your coach, and then Coach Clawson and Coach R. I mean that's it's a it's pretty much paradise here for a receiver, and you're starting to see that with our you know bigger time recruits coming through, but. I mean, AT would tell you he wasn't ready to play when he showed up as a freshman. And, you know, at a lot of schools, you just get kicked to the wayside and you never see the field and you end up transferring after year two. But that's the great thing about Wake is they invest in you. Even if you're not the guy, right, you're going to get the developmental periods and you're going to get the ability to make yourself a one. And then you turn out like an AT Perry. Like everybody who's come through here that you see, like, I mean, even myself, right, as a freshman, yeah, I played, but I was terrible. And it's like they stuck by me, you know, a big school like, you know, bigger schools, I get, you know, I'm, I don't produce. And then it's, you never see me again. I'm at some smaller school. Um, so that's the great thing about Wake and a reason why probably AT stays is they invested in him. He's going to invest back. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great program to be a part of. It's a great process to be a part of. And it's proven time and time again to be successful. I want to ask you about the other side of the ball here because I know these throwing practices are sometimes on air and sometimes they're defended. Brad Lambert comes back to Wake Forest. He had been there with Jim Grove and then went off to be a head coach and start the program at Charlotte, has now come back from Purdue as the defensive coordinator. And I know he's got emphasis on secondary play. Um, As much as you see growth in wide receivers, do you sense also a growth on the other side of the ball from those workouts as well? Yeah, I mean, I'd first just give a shout out to Coach Lambert. Um, You know, he's only been here for a couple months and his impact is – on both sides of the ball, the whole team, right? When he, you know, introduced himself to our team uh, back before the spring kind of started, I mean, you just got a sense from the guy, right? You know, obviously he built a program at Charlotte and then Purdue, but, um, you know, he's just got that aura around him that, you know, you want to follow him. Like, I don't even play defense. I'll hopefully never play defense. I hope I never really have to tackle anybody, but, like, I've, I'll, <laughs> if we if they need me to, you know, Coach Lambert's got my number and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to strap it up if it, if it comes down to it and, um, you know, all those guys, Coach Adams, uh, Coach Spencer, everybody along that and the guys that came back. I mean, it's just it's a great group of guys. And there's kind of the cool thing about Wake Forest and the cool thing about really this entire program going back to really why AT stays is the coaching turnover. When you really look at it, right, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, these guys have been here since Coach Clawson has been here. Is that anywhere else in the country? Probably not. Yeah. And then you look at the defense, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we got a new coaching staff. But Coach Adams played here in 06, right? Coach Lambert coached here back in those back in the Grove era, right? So it's way yep. force blood through and through. Um, and, I, and I think that that's something that Coach Clawson has established, and I, you don't find that anywhere else in the country where it's, yeah, maybe a head coach days, but then everyone underneath, it's just a carousel. Like, it's everybody is the, the OCs. I walk down, and I know every one of their kids, every one of their 
their wives, everybody in their family, extended family, because they've been here for so long. And that's that, you know, relationship that you can build. And then on defense, right, it's the same thing. And I think Coach Lambert's been doing a great job. Um, the kids are bought in. You know, the guys are flying around. Like the spring ball is one of the most competitive spring balls I've been a part of. Um, and it's just been really cool to see. And I, I'm excited for our defense, you know, because you know, Coach Lambert's got that edge. And, and I think that's what we need. And it's going to be it's going to be fun to be a part of for sure. All right. I want to get one thing cleared up here before we say goodbye, because it is June. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to go to the ACC kickoff in July and we can get caught up then on some other things. Um, so you're listed as like a red shirt, sophomore, something here. I don't know where you are in this whole deal. Can you clarify exactly, you know, like how old you are? And like in the spring, we had you listed as like a red shirt junior. Are you a redshirt junior? Are you, I mean, you've gotten your degree, right? Are you done? I mean, where are we in this, Sam? So I'm 27. I have my doctorate. In, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I'll be 23 in July. Um, I'll be 23 in July. I'm, I am, I'm graduating, graduated. Um, and I'm a, I have this year and another year of eligibility. So I would be a redshirt junior, technically, which is crazy. And had no plan of doing this, but you know that's how it works, and I would change it for the world. So I'm excited. Yeah. This is the one. This is it, that's... though. But this is, I do have another year after this. So, but <laughs> if I want to get my doctorate, follow the family family plan, maybe. But I'm I was getting ready to say, got to be some pressure from the crib on about getting the PhD, doesn't there? Got to be a little pressure there. Oh, ah, a little bit. I mean, they, they enjoy the game, so, you know, if it, if it rolls, it rolls. But I'll let my brothers yeah. doing that. My brother, shout out to my brother. You know, he got in the med school. He got in the wake med, uh, UF med, so I got to give him a shout out. So he's he took the there board for me being a doctor. I get to run into people for a living, so it's a good trade-off. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, great to see you. Thanks for the time. Be well. Have a great summer. We'll catch up soon, okay? Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me on. I'll, see you, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Sam Hartman. How about that? Isn't that classic? <laughs> Explaining He's eligibility. Awesome. That's where I we just... are, Drew. We gotta explain we gotta explain eligibility now. Well, he said he's 27. I didn't know if he was joking. I was like 90% sure he was joking, <laughs> but dude, in this day and age, man, you never know. I just want to know if they're gonna put him next to Skinner or Wofford on that wall behind him when he leaves. No, he's going next to Skinner. He's gonna we're gonna I've just texted Riley Skinner and said that picture's gonna be covered up. Uh, all right. When we come back, um, Charlotte North joins us from Chestnut Hill, I think. I, uh, who knows? Two-time Tawarton winner of Boston College and arguably the GOAT of women's lacrosse is next. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham's Friday. Turning around the uh, final curve here. Uh, by the way, we got an update, uh, Drew. Miami's regional today has been postponed. The uh, <laughs> the approaching tropical storm apparently is uh, both games one and two from Coral Gables have been postponed today. They'll play tomorrow. 12 noon and then about 55 minutes after the first one concludes um but both games today in the coral gables regional have been postponed 
So Miami Canisius no longer at 10 a.m. <laughs> now posted for uh, noon tomorrow. And I hope the weather passes through there. Good heavens. Again, we're playing We're playing these in Coral Gables because of the weather, right? <laughs> we thought so. Hey, how's the weather in South Bend? Maybe they can play there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's go live to Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen. Sounds like we're being very governmental and presidential, doesn't it? No, we're just going to talk to the greatest women's lacrosse player of all time, Charlotte North wins another Tawarton Foundation trophy as the best player in women's lacrosse last night in D.C. First of all, congratulations. Welcome back to the program. This is crazy stuff, isn't it? Hi, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Is this crazy? Is this crazy, Charlotte? All this going on like this? A little bit. It was a quick turnaround. The season went by pretty fast. Um and now, you know, we ended up in D.C., but um, it's been a fun ride. Well, Charlotte, I think there was a little intrigue around the award ceremony this year, unlike last year, when we all knew it was Charlotte North. It was a given. They might as well have just bubble wrapped that thing and shipped it to Newton without even doing the ceremony. This time, it was kind of a question mark. Would it be Charlotte North going back to back? Would it be someone from Carolina, maybe? How surprised were you when you heard your name yesterday? Um, I was surprised. I mean, I was standing alongside of four really amazing players, um, and they've done so much for the sport. And it's it's been an honor to play against them um, and all of their accomplishments. They're just they're just great, and they're great people. So um, I was I was honored to be up there next to them um, and get to know them the past couple of days. Charlotte, the idea that there's a finality to this has that sunk in? That now it's on to another level of play. Not really. Um, you know, it's a little bittersweet. I've had such an amazing time at Boston College. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to say goodbye, but um, I, I just am so grateful for all the memories I've made there and, and all the relationships I've built with my teammates and coaches. You know, it, it's we difficult for the, those of us that... Go ahead, Drew. Go ahead, Wes. I was going to say, well, it's difficult for say, those uh, of us that have... Oh, <laughs> go, here, here go, we go, again. Fault. This go. is what happens when we're remote. All right, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, Charlotte, we call you the GOAT all the time. I'm just curious, when, when you hear that about yourself, how does that make you feel? Like, how do you respond to hearing people say you're the greatest to ever do it? I mean, there's so many great players that I looked up to, um, ones that have won this award, ones that, you know, I've just watched play for so many years, ones that I'm um, honored to be able to play with at the U.S. level. Um, it's just the sport is in such a great place and there's so much talent everywhere, um, especially, you know, at the collegiate level. And it's just, it's so fun to play in and play around. Um, and the sport's only going to continue to grow. But Charlotte, it, it appears, and, and I understand, you know, the respect level for other players, especially those of them that you watched as you were a kid and now your college career has come to a close. But your career is going to coincide with the rise of this sport. I mean, more young women are playing lacrosse now than just about any other sport in this country on a, on a per capita basis. The idea that it's your face and your game that has brought so many more young women to play and young girls to play the game, that's got to mean something to you that's, that's unique to you and, and you alone, I think. It's special. I think, to, you know, the overall growth of the game is, is due to all those players that they came before me and then they set the stage for all the teams now to just kind of explode with the 
increasing coverage of the game, um, all of the different, you know, live streams um, and, you know, all the nationally televised games. It's just incredible. It's, it's what the sport deserves um, and all the players deserve, um, you know, to be on this platform. Um, and like you said, I just I think it's just going to continue to grow. I think if people were watching the sport for the first time on ESPN and the championship, their first thought must have been, how is number eight scoring all the goals and taking all the draws? What is a draw, first of all? Okay, she's winning all of them. I don't know how that works, but Charlotte North is winning all of them. Can you just take us into that when you're basically on every inch of the field and you're involved in basically every play where you guys have the ball and you're responsible for getting the ball for two hours, like, how do you maintain the stamina for an entire game? I mean, I lean on my teammates, especially at the draw circle. Um, I have Courtney Taylor and Holly Schleicher, who are unbelievable. Um, you know, they they will battle after every ball and, and pick up ground balls that they're not even near. Um, and it's just it's so much fun to play with them on the draw circle. And we're so well coached at the draw, too, with Sam Apuzo. We work really hard with our draw unit all year. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know... It's just, it's so unique to the game. It's like a game within the game. Um, and it's something I've had a lot of fun doing. Charlotte, I, I, you mentioned Sam, and obviously she won this honor in, in 18. Um, and I want to follow up a little bit on that side because I know her influence has meant a lot to you. And playing for Acacia has meant a lot. Um, now that we've kind of reached the end of the line here, what kind of influence and what kind of conversations have you guys had about next steps for you because obviously there's the national team and we understand the quality of player on that and you mentioned that you've been with some national teammates I guess uh, here in, in DC but now this next step how much of the influence in what you've been doing at BC is helping set the stage for that next step definitely um you know we're we're taking it day by day um and i think you know this summer is going to be a lot of fun I, i'm so fortunate i get to play with sam Puzo um and a bunch of you know all-time greats like i said and it's going to be a dream come true and then following that i'll be playing um in the athletes unlimited pro league um which i'm so excited mm -hmm. for it's so fast-paced and exciting um and it's it's also going to be you know nationally televised which is huge for the sport um so i'm really grateful for that opportunity as well um and excited for this summer you were the number one pick in Athletes Unlimited a couple days ago. Now, Taylor Cummings is the reigning queen of Athletes Unlimited. I know that. She won the three to Waratons. You've got the two. Does that give you a little extra juice going in to try to take that crown from her? <laughs> Taylor's awesome. I, I can't wait to play with her at U.S. as well. Um, I mean, she's obviously, you know, one of the, the greatest players of all time. Um, just dominated so, so much and continues to do it. She's so fun to watch, and I'm excited to play with her. All right, so next step is what? You're going to go back to Boston? You're going to pack up? I mean, how, how does all this work? You still, when are you, are we going to throw out more first pitches in Texas? I mean, what do we got going on here? <laughs> um, I have a quick turnaround. I'm going to go uh, to Stony Brook and, and play in our U.S. training camp this coming week. Um, and then a little short, short break, um, a, few, a few coaching gigs, and then going uh, to Towson, Maryland for the World Cup. Wow. Okay. Holy smokes. You know, it's interesting, Drew. Um, Charlotte, you uh, this, this NIL situation, and I want to I follow up on this because I, I, we had a brief conversation about this the last time. You, and Aaron Matson told me about this too. 
there's as much NIL on the clinic camping coaching side of this as there is on the sponsorship side. Now, I know you've got some sponsorship elements, Penzoil, things like that. But are you finding that the the coaching, the equipment, the clinicking pieces of this in these particular sports are also very valuable, too, from a name, image, and likeness situation? A hundred percent. I think, you know, it's something that's awesome for the next generation of players to be able to attend camps and clinics and just get to learn from, you know, current collegiate players as well as, you know, obviously those um, incredible players who are now post-college. But um, I think it's huge. And I think, um, you know, I remember being that age um, and and seeing, you know, these all-time great players playing and, and wanting to get to learn from them. So the chance to, to do that with anyone at the collegiate level for these sports is, is incredible. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Uh, it's been a pleasure to watch. I mean, it really has. And we're excited to follow you on the next step, certainly with the national team and then Athletes Unlimited. But you have been uh, – you have been a real treat for us to cover, and uh, and we're grateful for your time spent with us on the program. So be well, okay? Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me all this time. You bet. Charlotte North of Boston College, winner of the Tawartan Award last night, uh, third BC uh, lacrosse player Sam Apuzo won in 18. Charlotte has uh, now won two straight, third time in the last four years. Somebody representing the Eagles has captured the honor. Uh, when we continue, uh, final turns on this uh, Friday. Uh, we've got toughest class, a little montage of that for you. Plus, uh, final notes on baseball. All that more coming up next on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. to give you the traditional question that we've asked every student athlete that's ever appeared on this show since you've been at Notre Dame, UNC, Boston College, Pittsburgh, what has been your hardest class? Oh my gosh. Um, I'd have to go with probably business stats. I had a huge exam yesterday that hopefully went well. Intermediate accounting, 3115. <laughs> I mean, anything finance. Freshman year, second semester, I took a biochem. It's gotta be the theology classes. Writing class, my freshman year. Race, gender, and medical something. Probably financial econometrics. Taking multivariable calculus. Um, oh! My hardest class definitely has been organic chemistry. Two. Discrete math for computer science. Multivariable calculus. Um, yeah, that was that was not fun. <laughs> Wes, it's right down your alley. Yeah, I got no shot. I was gonna mess around. I was gonna be like, like nuclear engineering or something. Just say something just completely out of the blue. <laughs> but uh, I, I'd, I'd go with uh, accounting. I think you know um, Catholicism, but I promise you don't. Chemistry is just not my strong suit, and that class just was very challenging. Know the number. That's even more important. 31-15 is the class number, yeah. right? They actually had to take one of my exams in Mexico. We actually had a tournament in the Puerto Vallarta tournament, and I had an exam that I couldn't make up later, and so I actually took an exam in the middle of the lobby at our hotel in Mexico. I realized after this class I'm not the best of mathematics, um, so I won't be a mathematician. Applying statistics to finance and like financial models, so a little complicated too complicated for me that was miserable i never want to take it again i needed someone to be on me and to open my eyes to the college experience all of my math was discreet 
<laughs> I mean, go, it's go basically, offensive. It's basically proofs, but for coding. Uh, oh, Not yeah. my cup of tea. Yeah. It was so hard, you don't even know the name of the class. That's how hard it was. <laughs> yeah, trying to put it, trying to put it behind me. Um, Drew, did Packer ask you your hardest class question when you co-hosted? He did not, but I was thinking my answer uh, during that little soundbite. It would be Spanish 301 at Syracuse, where I walked in with my buddy Tyler freshman year. We thought we were going to minor in Spanish, and we realized that that was the time where Spanish classes go from, here's the language, here's what the words mean, let's learn how to speak it, to we're taking an actual class in literature, but everything's in Spanish. Tyler and I walked out that day, dropped Spanish, Never took another Spanish class. Did not minor in it. So long to the minor in Spanish. Yes. What about yours at Elon College before it was a university? Uh, finite math. I was one for three. My math has been well documented <laughs> on this show. Uh, I was one for three. Dr. Hayworth, thank you. I got my one for three. <laughs> what is oh, one yeah, for three? Everybody man. laughs. One for three. It means exactly what you think it means. I got it on the third time. It's like my driver's test. Oh, really? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You clearly weren't watching last Monday when Dana Boyle and I discussed this with uh, Andy Aldave of North Carolina, who also, I think, needed two or three tries to get her driver's test. Yep. I spilled that. I needed three tries as well. And the guy just gave me the license because he felt bad for my mom having to take me back and forth (laughs) to the DMV in Plymouth, Minnesota. Uh, Speaking of your mom, uh, did she get involved on the back end of yesterday's public relations nightmare you had on social media? (laughs) No, I didn't tell her just how bad it was because I didn't want her to get territorial like a mama bear. And go and start tweeting at guys who were roasting me in the replies. So no, but she was watching at the start of the show when we talked about it. So she she chimed in and um, basically said it was okay and sent me an old photo from, I think, when I was in first grade or kindergarten. That's good. Um, If you missed the open part of the show uh, yesterday, Drew... And deserve, deserves congratulations. He's going to be part of the PLL coverage on ESPN and the family of networks starting. Uh, Anish Shroff will handle this weekend, but coming up, Drew said he'll have, uh, is it in Minneapolis in July and some other uh, weekends of play yeah. in the Premier Lacrosse League, which is going to be terrific. If you've enjoyed lacrosse on ESPN, you're going to love the Premier. So here's Drew on the top Come row, on, second man. from the right, right next to right next to Kata. Um You see Roddy Jones also also involved in this. Carcaterra, Jay Alter, Quint, uh, Sheehan Stanwick-Birch, Dana Boyle, some of the more familiar names in the lacrosse world you see on the network here. Uh, Jake Marsh, apparently a Syracuse classmate of Drew's, uh, works his way over into a play-by-play chair. And uh, Katie George, who can go from F1 to lacrosse with the best of them, in college football with Joe Tess on Saturday nights and the other conference, 
also is part of the coverage. So now that picture, a release from the good folks at the ESPN PR vault, Amy Ifnowski oversees ACC Network. You've got Amanda Brooks. You've got uh, Josh Krulowitz, Chris LaPlaca, Bill Hoffheimer. you got experts, high-skilled professionals. But Carter took some heat because – he looked like, uh, well, he was accused because of being what, a wax figure. Because what? You were, you were, yeah. You took some heat because the CBS forty two headshot didn't make you look real. I mean, you look at Ryan Boyle two down <laughs> from you, and you you look like you're a, a computer generated figure to the point that Dan Holland said Drew Carter ain't real. Wes, okay, guys, can we put the uh, the thing back up there the graphic again please because i want the folks at home to look at ryan boyle and tell me that this guy does not moonlight as an aqua de Jo model look at that <laughs> i feel like i'm looking at a cologne commercial <laughs> and then i've got cotter next to me thank goodness cotter's yeah. in a suit not in a polo because if he his biceps are the size of my face my wax yeah, that's right. fake looking face so yeah, I, I, I can't, uh, I can't compete with that. And then I got Kark to my left and it's just you know, beautiful people all over the place. And then my face, I look awful. And of course I get and roasted. Somebody K4 said four M 12 literally looks like, yeah, a, looks wax like figure. a wax figure. K four M 12 doesn't even have a profile picture by the way. So at least I'm the man in the arena. At least my photo is out there and thank, thank you, Dan Highland, who also doesn't have a real profile picture. I think it's an athlete. Thank you for doing some digging to find that I am, in fact, a real person and I don't look like a wax figure in real life. I don't look more greasy than Pat Riley's hairdo in real life. Thank you, Dan. Trials and tribulations of a broadcasting career, Carter. That's all I got for you. It happens. I know. Yeah. Hey, uh, great to be with you. Thanks for the help this week. Appreciate it. Uh, have a good weekend. Mark Packer returns Monday, kids. And to get you out of here, just a couple of more photos. Packer uh, told you he was going to see the sights. He did. The original Death Valley looks better than ever in Rome. There you go. Yep. So there's Packer. And then Sunset and Capri. I mean, he's seen it all, folks. If you're like me, you can't wait till Monday at 7. No, he will not do the segment in Italian. But it will go longer than 15 minutes. Pack returns on Monday. Thanks to Casey O'Brien, Drew Brooks, Lisa Monday on a Friday. Have a great weekend. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.